it. Castiano rounds third, Cornell. An RBI single. Boyd his first walk of the game. 3-2 pitch. This one lifted to left field. Cornell tracks in to make the catch. The tag applied. The throw over to first in time. What a throw from Zach Cornell to end the inning. The run won't count. This season, there was no player in the NAIA who was having a better year than Southeastern Zach Cornell. Nobody. His team, the Fire, had won 25 games in a row and were 26-1 on the season. He was batting 519 with 24 extra base hits for a, let's see here, 944 slugging percentage. Those are Pablo Sanchez from Backyard Baseball type numbers. Yeah, this will go. There was a lot of baseball on the season left. Um, roughly, we'll say a third of the games were played. But even so, even if SEU and Cornell were to continue at just a fraction of their torrid pace, the fire were going to be in Lewiston and Cornell was going to be a sure thing, All-American player. So with that being said, when I had reached out to him and asked him if he'd be interested in talking to me for, for a podcast, I, I was certain that he would be just, just full of spite and venom and so mad that the, the season being over because, because, you know, like he was just robbed of this awesome opportunity. And amazingly, he wasn't. Instead, he was one of the nicest and most jovial players I'd ever spoken to. He was taking the whole situation in, in stride and had nothing but optimism. And I, I, you know, if anything, I'm the one who came across real mad because now, now I'm upset for him. Zach Cornell has skyrocketed to the top of the list of, of my favorite college baseball players. He is not only an excellent athlete, but he's even a better person. So I am really excited to share this podcast with you. And at the next MLB draft, and hopefully that'll be this year, I hope that a team takes a flyer and picks this kid. And he doesn't get overlooked because some team did something stupid to look cool online, like draft Johnny Manziel or, or Ken Griffey Jr.'s kid, even though he hadn't played baseball in 10 years or whatever, because this guy deserves to have his name called. And he has the skills and the personality to play at the next level. So anyway, that's enough of me jibber-jabbering about him. This is my interview with Southeastern Fire outfielder, Zach Cornell. Looking at some of the trajectories that some players and some teams had and the all of a sudden have it cut short, as, as me as a fan, it's devastating to see that because I wanted to see what was gonna happen but I can't even imagine the impact they would have for, for the players and teams and the coaches and the fans and the parents themselves. It's got to be, it's got to be just devastating. Oh my goodness. Um, well, for Southeastern's story, we were actually in a team meeting to figure out what we were going to do because at the time we were just suspended for two weeks. Um, so we were all actually sitting together and then all of a sudden my coach actually gets a phone call right during the media, the middle of it. And, uh, and then all of a sudden he just, he just starts breaking into tears and then we all just know. And, uh, it, it was, it was very devastating, especially since, 
Um, first off, our team was 26-1 and one and had a 25-game winning streak. And for that to come to a close was was so frustrating for everyone. Um, I mean, goodness gracious, even guys that, that weren't really playing on the field, they were breaking down crying. And um, it, it wasn't even about the record. It was more so the camaraderie that we had. There. Oh, I'm sure. When I tell you, when I tell you that's the best team chemistry I've ever been a part of, oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, it, it was so tightly knit on and off the field. Um, and, and when I, uh, <laughs> when I personally, you know, found out and when I first, when I saw, you know, my coach cry, I mean, goodness gracious, I was a mess for an, at least an hour. I mean, just, just tears flowing and everything. And, and, uh, it was tough. And, and when you even ask about parents and everything, I, I even called my dad and first off, they're like the biggest supporters of mine. I mean, they literally would drive down from Atlanta because I'm from Atlanta um, eight hours, and they missed probably one or two games this entire season to see, to see me play. So when I called them about the news, oh, man, they were devastated as well. And uh, they could just hear it in my voice, too. And it's tough. And, and look, it's, it's, not just, it's not just our team. I mean, I, I mean you, you see it all across the country. You just see, you know, people get their, get their year taken away from them. And, and who I feel for the most are the people that – have jobs lined up in the future or already have it set up. And, yeah, we get an eligibility year back, but I even talked to some of my boys that are really close to me. Like, this was it. I mean, one of my I, – I played in Middle Georgia State before Southeastern, and one of my closest boys, he literally came back, had he, – he messed up his shoulder and had nine months of surgery and rehab just to play this Just to play this year? He – he knew he was done. And the fact that he got this year taken away, I feel more for him than I do anyone else. Um, and, and those those type of stories are just so heartbreaking. Um, and, and, look, I, I, I know we're all forever, forever, forever grateful for, you know, that extra year and everything, but I really do feel for those seniors that, that can't come back. You know, they've got a life outside of baseball or softball yeah. or, or whatever sport they're trying to do. So, it's tough. It's that's that's the easiest way to put it. It's just a tough situation to be in. I, I assume with someone with your ability, you're not really the like you, you don't want to hang it up yet, right? I mean, you're hitting what five ten right now. So right now, you're 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 penciled in for for coming back next year. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, look, I'm going to play baseball either way. Um, I've had some attention from the draft, but first off, I mean, with this, who knows what's going on with that? Who knows? Yeah, exactly. And we may not even have a draft. Um, so I've, I've already talked to my parents. I've already talked to the coaches. And uh, if I am fortunate enough to be picked up in the draft, I will play. Um, definitely. doesn't even matter what round or whatever. Um, but if that doesn't happen, then, you know, I'll get my undergrad degree, finish that up this spring, and then I'll, I'll get started on my master's, you know. So I, I think it's a – a win-win for me, um, just because I keep getting to play baseball. You know, that's the biggest thing. Sure. In, re- in regards to the attention that you were kind of getting personally, um, do you have a good feeling that if the draft were to take place, that you know you're going to get your name called? Because I know traditionally, I mean, and, that, and that's the thing that's so weird about NAIA and some of the other smaller schools is some guys will put up phenomenal numbers, just crazy numbers. And then you're like, oh, well, this guy's going to definitely get picked. And then, you know, they, they don't get any, you know, they don't get the call. Um, did you at least get some sort of feeling that, you know, someone's going to take a flyer on you? Yeah. Um, so, listen, I've gotten a, a wide range of 
analysis, I guess, is the best way to put it in my in my situation. Um, I've, I've heard, you know, I may be taken even in the middle rounds. I've heard that I may be a senior sign. Um, but I have definitely gotten some attention, and obviously, first off, I'm grateful for it. Um, you know, I've gotten definitely some phone calls and everything like that. And, and the way that my coaches are sounding, teams are very interested. It, I, I will say this, I, it's tough for me to say because nobody truly knows what's going to happen in the draft. I've gotten mm-hmm. some, I've played with some people where they're literally sitting on their phone for three days straight. Oh, sure, sure. One team promised them, they're like, okay, we're going to take you in the 10th. And, you know, the 10th goes by, then the 20th, and then you're on a day three, and you're just sitting there waiting for, you know, your name to be called by this one team. And, and so because of that, I've taken it as, look, if I get drafted, that's great. I love it. I get to keep playing. If I don't get drafted, I still get to keep playing. Um, yeah. So I, I think there's a decent shot I'll get drafted, just by the way people are saying and scouts are talking to me. But at the end of the day, who knows? You know, who, who really knows, especially, you know, since, since we're NAI level. Um, but we'll see, you know. Now, was your decision to move to Southeastern, was that – I assume that had to be in part to kind of get some more exposure too, right? Definitely, definitely. Um, so it it was it was definitely a tough choice, um, but when I decided to leave Middle Georgia, it was for multiple reasons, of course. Um, but the two reasons why mainly were because of exposure. And the second reason why is, is because I'm very religious and Southeastern was just a better situation for me personally, um, just to grow in that aspect of my life. Um, so, yeah. How, how did you go about transferring? Was Did they kind of – I suppose you must have reached out to them first? Yeah. Um, so it was one of those situations where um, I wasn't feeling right at Middle Georgia. There were things that were wrong. Um, and so I told my – I talked to my coach at the end of the year. And um, and so we, we, he, we had an understanding that I wasn't fully, you know, on board for my senior year there. And then, you know, after talking to a lot of people, talking to my parents and everything, it was the best situation for me to leave. So then I decided, you know, I told my coach, I was like, look, I think it's best for me to move on. Um, and then after that, you know, you know, a week after, um, you know, teams find out and everything. And what's crazy is that the assistant coach at uh, Southeastern, he was the assistant coach at Faulkner University. And they were in Middle Georgia's conference. So he's yeah. seen me play so much yeah. and everything. And he hit me up when he found out about it and said, Hey, you know, come at least come visit Southeastern, you know, just, just come look. And, and what's also crazy about this story is <laughs> Southeastern last year was the team that beat middle Georgia in the regional finals. Well, like we were mm-hmm. one team away from being, you know, going to Lewiston, going to the world series. And they were the team. So what's interesting about this whole story is that first off, Coach Dinkle saw me before I even, you know, was interested. Um, and then when Mendoza talked to him and everything, they, they said, you know, we definitely want to see this guy, you know, down here and everything. So I just – it was one of those situations where I just looked at the whole story and I'm like, this is so unnaturally weird in the sense of the assistant coach already knows me, he likes me. Sure. The coach is already It seemed like it was kind of it was kind of fate. Yeah, exactly. Like the stars were aligning and, and that's how I ended up at Southeastern. And I was like, I've gotta go down here, you know, gotta give it a chance. It's my senior year and everything's looking right. So um so that's how I ended up at Southeastern. 
Assuming that a draft takes place this year in some capacity, and if a team's thinking about selecting you, what, why should they make you a pick? They should make me a pick because, first off, I believe I'm the hardest worker out there. Um, I think if you ask the coaches on this team, there's no question that I work harder than everyone else. And then secondly, I believe that I mentally and mentality-wise, as I approach the, pl- the plate offensively, I think I, I have it figured out, um, and I have a big league mentality when it comes to hitting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because your stats obviously speak for themselves. So, you know, if I'm on the fence thinking, I don't know about this guy, you know, <laughs> NAIA. Uh, so, yeah. But, but you're, you're saying it's not going to be a wasted pick, basically. No, it's not. All right. When, you know, when I was looking at your stats back with the, with the Knights, your, your junior, your sophomore year, you batted like near, I don't know, is your sophomore, Sophomore, junior year, you both batted around 400. What? But your freshman year, eh. <laughs> what, 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 what happened? How did you you suddenly go from, you know, mid-200s to, to, to being able to just ripping the cover off the ball? Well, um, what's actually funny about that whole story is I came in as a two-way player, and I was predominantly a pitcher. Okay. So, so I, when I figured out that I couldn't throw strikes, um, I started, <laughs> I started the first few series my freshman year as, as the designated hitter. And, yeah. uh, look, I'm not going to lie. My swing was really bad. And, and my issue that year was my only, I was only worried about trying to hit the ball out. That was like my whole mentality for freshman year of just trying to hit the ball as far as I could. And, um, when I got benched, it was really honestly a humbling experience because I knew that I needed to make a change. You know, I, I, I sat probably like the 75% of that season and I told my dad, I was like, look, I'm going to completely make a change. And if I play, that's great. If I don't, then I'm done with baseball. So that summer I worked out first off as hard as I possibly could. Um, and then also baseball wise, I changed my focus on just trying to drive the ball as hard as I could into the opposite field gap. You know, that was, that was my biggest mentality because I knew I figured out could do that my swing was the most compact the, the shortest to the ball and just the best possible for saying the Longston zone you know and then you mix that with a lot of mentality change during counts during live at bats and you know you find you find yourself barreling balls up more you know and um sure so it was it was definitely a a mindset shift and a mentality change of what I should do at the plate is the best way to put it you talked a little bit about, and this is something that's really amazed, or I guess, well, yeah, amazed, that's, that's the right word for, at Southeastern, is the last couple of years, and you, you talked about at, at the very beginning, hopefully it was the part that we recorded, not the part where I forgot to turn on the machine, is, is how you said how tight your, the team was. And, and, and when I'm developing and like looking at rankings and stuff like that, something that I try to look at is I look at teams where I see that they've kind of grown up together. You know, if, if there's a team that has a lot of upperclassmen, um, I will I assume that's going to give them a little bit of an edge. And the thing that I've noticed at Southeastern, they seem to be one of the few schools where they can have a complete revamp of the entire roster and still come back and be successful. So, I mean, how is it that 
I mean, you, I mean, you've only been there, well, we can't even say a full season, but I mean, I'm sure you can speak to somewhat of what are they doing there at Southeastern, which is able to get your guys to gel so well. Easily, easily it's the coaches. Um, they First off, they've got our backs no matter what. And that's the very first time that I'm truly able to say that, regardless of what happens. You know, they're the ones that are setting us up for success, and they just know how to – they just run a great system is the best way to put it. You know, i got to give, you know, thanks to Coach Dinkle, Coach Mendoza, and Coach Dahl. I mean, they they understand – first off, they understand where a lot of these guys come from, okay? I mean, if we're being honest, a lot of our – a lot of our team is, is ex-Division One um, guys that have played at very top levels or have had the chance to. So you got a lot of it's, it's, you got a lot of big egos. You got a lot of guys that think they're they're very good coming in in the fall, mm-hmm. and there are only a handful of coaches that I believe that can handle that whole situation really well. Um, I mean, Coach Dinkle. I mean, he he he's put it to us straight. You know that. Um, like the best nine are going to play and, and basically that, that we're replaceable, you know, he, <laughs> sure. And, and yeah. And, and he, he recruits so well and we understand that to the point of we can't go, you know, off the rails is the best way to put it. You know what I mean? We have to stay, we have to stay as a team. And, and with that, with that mindset, like we have a, just a team mindset uh, for Southeastern Um and then they're the reason why that we that we're so close, tightly knit as a group, and and um, it's pretty it's pretty fascinating to see when all but one of the starting nine are are new guys, you know. And, yeah, and absolutely. Even like that, yeah. Um, but I mean, hey, that that's all coaches, and that's all recruiting, and that's just them knowing what to do in that situation is the best way to put it. So yeah, because I think a couple of years ago when when the fire won the championship. I think going into that season, I had him either really low or maybe not even not at all in like the top 25, honestly. And I'll admit that I messed that up. And that's because, like I said, I, I was like, how, I just don't see, how can you bring in all these, you know, parts and get them to gel like that? And that's, that's just crazy impressive. Uh, well, and, you, and what's fascinating, I'm sorry, what's fascinating about the fire when they won in, in 2018, um, they were so how do I put this? They were so top heavy on pitching. Like they had so many, they had like two or three dudes is what I've heard. Just guys that, I mean, they had the yeah. of the year for NAI. Um, and what's, what's so interesting about this year's Southeastern team is we were so deep offensively. And then you also have those top line arms. Like we, I think we were the complete package and it's a, such a shame that we couldn't finish this year out. Um, but anyways, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I mean, I had, I didn't have you guys first because I had some other teams ahead of you. And I, I think he had maybe I had you guys three overall at the beginning. But that was just because I thought I had, I had that gel factor in. But on the field, there I don't think there's any question that you guys were the best team this year. I mean, you guys are first in everything, everything. Because, I mean, not only were you winning, you were winning big. I'm looking at your the, the the scores right now, and it's like double digits almost every single time. And it's a shame. It's a shame. And, and then the and the one game you lost was by one run, and to a really good team. And that's what's unfortunate. Um, we we were in a part of our schedule where look, we we weren't playing the most difficult com, you know competition. Um, and I was really looking forward to when we played the St. Thomases. 
of mm-hmm. uh, you know towards the end of the year because look I think we were the deepest talent wise um, but at the end of the day you know you can beat you know a team that's a below 500 by 20 something runs but at the end of the day can you face off against you know the St. Thomases of the world and and really prove yourself and the fact we couldn't do that is, is very unfortunate but it happens you know I really appreciate you calling in for sure no thank you for having me on and everything you know it's just great to talk about baseball so yeah, so best of luck to you, and whether or not you're playing, you know, in uh, Arizona or <laughs> back at, back in NAIA, I'll, I'll be I'll be watching and rooting for you. Thank you, Nate. Have a good one. See, I told you that kid's aces. The big thanks to Zach for calling in. It's a damn shame. It's a damn shame we didn't get to see how this season played out. This episode of the. One, two, three inning college baseball podcast is brought to you by corn. Corn, it's a tall annual cereal grass, widely known for its large, elongated ears of starchy seeds. Get some today. 